Attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. There you are, Radar. Hello and welcome to MASHCast, the show that analyzes and celebrates episode by episode the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, General Robert Iron Guts Kelly, and this is our annual mail call episode where we wrap up this particular season of MASHCast, going through all the comments that we got over on our website. We're going to do some Apple iTunes reviews. We're going to do season rankings and some other fun stuff to talk about as we put this season of MASHCast to bed. Before we get to the uh, comments over on the website, I'm just going to warn you, you're going to hear the name Captain Entropy a lot in this uh, <laughs> in this episode. So again, let's get right to the comments um, from the website, findwaterpodcast.com. We're going to start with the Movie Tonight episode that I did on the Cat from Outer Space with my pal Sean M. Myers. We actually did that in between uh, seasons three and four of MASHCast, but I want to make sure we get some comments on that. So uh, we got comments from Brian Linton, Daniel Ulrich, Chris Franklin, George W., Tim Price, and Jason Pope, who says, love this. Thank you for doing this episode. I've been waiting for this movie to come up on MASHCast and immediately as a kid noticed the MASH connection. First, it took great offense that you and Sean saying that this movie wasn't very good. It hurt my heart to hear that. I, being a child born in 1971, and also saw this movie in the theater and, and always loved it from that point on. I guess I'm strange, but I was a kid under the age of 10. I thought this was quite compelling as a kid's movie, even after seeing Star Wars. I never held it in the same regard as Star Wars, of course, but I knew this was a kid's flick and took it as such. In the 80s, whenever this movie came up on HBO or the Disney Channel, I'd always sit down to watch. That is surprising for me because I am not a cat person at all. I'm highly allergic to cats and have never been fond of them and their disposition. Oh, Jason. Uh, I've always had dogs and been a dog person. This move, uh, movie made me like a cat for the first time and made me able to tolerate them and see their value. I was always a big fan of Jake and credit him for making tolerate Garfield, Snagglepuss, Top Cat, and also Real Cats. I encountered it in my journey through childhood. That said, I do have to agree with you and Sean. The movie is too long. This was the first movie I searched out after The Mandalorian, of course, when I first got Disney+. Plus. I watched it almost immediately, and man, oh man, does this movie drag on and on. The pool hall scene with its many amusing characters does pad the movie to a problematic level. So, okay, this movie's not great, but it does hold a special place in my heart, and it helped this cat-allergic guy get over being a total jerk to all cats throughout my life. Thanks to you and Sean and your reasonable review of this film. I had a lot of fun listening to you talk about it. Well, thank you, Jason, and I'm glad that uh, you have reached some sort of uh, detente with cats. Uh, I I love cats. I love dogs, too, but I love cats. And uh, my, my, as I may mentioned uh, online at some point, my beloved cat, Frankie, passed away a couple of months ago. And so we don't have any cat energy in the house right now. And I, I, I miss it uh, terribly. So I'm glad that uh, you're more finely disposed towards cats than you would be before. And so if for no other reason, the cat from outer space was, was worth it just for that. So, OK, now let's get to the episodes of MASHCast proper, starting with episode 73. Welcome to Korea. My guest was Dan Greenfield. We had comments from Groovy Mike Decker, Captain Entropy, there he is, Ted Chubbington, Matt Sirois, Paul Wildenberger, Little Russell Burbage, Brian Linton, George W., Rob McCarthy, Randall, Mick Jamison, Tim Price, Stefan Van Schaik, Tim Horpenich, and Andrea A.J. Gall, who says, welcome back. I love this episode. I think it was around this episode that I really started to love rather than just like the show. One bit of trivia, BJ's army number is the same as Tuttle's. And then Ange, uh, Dr. Andrew responded with, this is a revelation. Andrea, I did not know that. So does that mean that the all the seasons of MASH from season four on are maybe all in Hawkeye's imagination? That's uh, something to think about. Uh, anyway, uh, let's move on to episode 74, Change of Command with my guest Joseph Price. We got comments from 
Corporal Captain Russell Burbage, Captain Entropy, Joe Price, Randall, George W., Tim Price, Brian Linton, Britt Schramm, Mick Jameson, and Ted Kilvington, who says, I was never a member of a disciplined military unit. Instead, I served as a medic in the Air Force from 1986 to 1990. There was definitely camaraderie among the ranks at the time. The medics worked so closely with the RNs, who were officers, that we were mostly on a first-name basis when we were off-duty. And my first sergeant was a regular at the tavern just outside the hospital dorm, and you couldn't go with her on a Friday or on a Saturday night without bending a few with the chief. Speaking of taverns, the consumption of beer was not only allowed, but highly encouraged at Bitburg, Germany, with an emphasis on the local beer, Bitburg Pills. Uh, getting to Rob's point in this episode regarding Hawkeye's comment that Colonel Potter must be a hack surgeon, or they wouldn't have sent him to a mash unit, I will refer to you to an episode of Aftermash. In that episode, an MD served at an aid station and makes a comment along the lines of Tokyo getting the cream of the Dr. Kratt, the hacks being sent to the aid station, and the mash is getting the rest. While Hawkeye was a great surgeon, he didn't play the military game well enough to be assigned to Tokyo. In fact, it was Charles' inability to play the military game which got him exiled from Tokyo to the 477th. Hawkeye must have thought that Colonel Potter was a hack, or why else would a career man who had been riding a desk for years have been exiled? Thank you, Ted. Episode 75, it happened one night with my guest, Ted Killington. There he is again. We got can- uh, comments from Randall, a- Andrea, A.J. Gall, Ange, Rob McCarthy, Captain Entropy, Tim Price, Brian Linton, Ben Perlman, Russell Burbage, Mick Jamison, and Stefan Van Shayek, who says, first episode I've been able to catch right away. Great episode and great insights from Ted and his experience. A couple things you might have missed. Potter, Potter's calls go in sequence of ranks. First is a major, then a colonel, and finally the general. Also, Hawkeye brings the can of beans into post-op for a late-night snack. I always took it as he put them there to warm them, but forgot about them in the craziness. Um, yeah, two things, Stephen. I, I did know that Potter was going up in rank as he was not getting the answers that he wanted, so he just kept going higher and higher. I think I just didn't mention that in my, in my summation, but I did notice it. But I did not notice Hawkeye bringing in the beans. I, must have, I don't know how many times I've seen that episode. I've just never noticed it, that he, or maybe forgot that – I was a little unfair saying that they didn't set up the bean joke. They did. Hawkeye does bring it in. It's very offhanded, but he does bring it in. So uh, I was a little unfair on, on that particular comment. So thank you. Regarding episode 76, the late Captain Pierce and my guest, Sean Ross. Got comments from Captain Entropy, Randall, Stephen Van Shake, Ange, Ward Hill Terry, George W., Brian Linton, Russell Burbage, and Joe Price, who says, Things have certainly changed since the Korean War, even Vietnam. Now deaths are confirmed, and an officer, casualty notification officer slash CNO, accompanied with a chaplain, visit the next of kin to give notification of death with an explanation of what happened. The family is next visited by the casualty assistance officer, CAO. I have served as a CAO several times during my career. Both duties are emotionally daunting. Uh, I can only imagine, Joe. Uh, episode 77, Hey Doc, with my guest, Dr. Chris Lewis. We've got comments from Randall, Captain Entropy, Santaron, Ward Hill Terry, McJameson, Russell Burbage, Brian Linton, George W., Tim Price, and Dr. Ange, who says thanks for another great recap. This episode is a favorite of mine that is true mainly for two funny bits you talk about. Hawkeye lamenting that the scotch bottles were only eight years old and Potter shooting the Jeep, both hilarious and well-remembered. I can tell you that occasionally people will call me up for some simple medical advice or for a prescription for something simple like antibiotics or anti-nausea medicine. When I can help, I will, but there is always a fine line. As for private records, I doubt Hawkeye has in-depth charts for these side hustles, but I can imagine that if Hawkeye is doing this fairly frequently, that he might might need some system to keep track of everyone. Who does... uh, who does he need to call back to see if they've improved? Who needs to come back for a second dose of antibiotics? When, when should that happen? So you might have a little calendar book that has cursory notes. Quote, General X, STT, first dose on XXXXX, needs to return in two weeks. And then a reminder two weeks later to call the guy back in. Great discussion and always good to hear another chief surgeon on the show. 
Thank you for the information, Angie. I always love that stuff. By the way, and then Dr. Chris Lewis responds to Angie's comment. He says, perhaps we could open up the Ange Lewis Memorial Ingrown Toenail Clinic, dubious record-keeping specialty. <laughs> I hope that happens, doctors. Um, regarding episode 78, The Bus, uh, with my guest Reverend Ra, we got comments from Clinton Robinson, Randall, John Morris, Russell Burbage, Tim Price, George W., Mike Thomas, Santaron, Brian Linton, and Captain Entropy, who says... Please have Reverend Rob on. Again, Iron Guts. Rob, I'm using your nom de guerre to distinguish you too. He'd be a wonderful guest, even if I weren't biased, to support a man of faith. As usual, you two covered almost all my thoughts on this episode and more insights on top of that, but I'll add the following. Fascinating to find out that the writer was a combat veteran. That obviously helps add Iron Guts' favorite word, verisimilitude. I can't help but reflect on how lucky that wounded North Korean soldier was to find this particular bus to surrender, surrender to, Frank's presence notwithstanding. On the subject of faith, if he hadn't been a believer before, he likely would be one after. Randall complimented Father McKay on his work, uh, to, on his ability to work with people of other faiths, or none in particular. I concur. I will add, I find this to be typical of chaplains like Father McKay and Reverend Rob, whether in the military or not. I imagine it's a job requirement. And then finally, he says, there is not a combat zone in the world today where American service members would be allowed outside the wire in such unarmed, uh, unarmored, unarmed, unstocked, unaccompanied, lightly equipped vehicle with nearly no communication ability. That said, based on stories I've heard from veterans in other eras, it might not have been so unrealistic at the time. The difference may be that we rarely fight in conflicts with such defined battle lines anymore. However, as other MASH episodes point out, there were irregular forces fighting in ostensibly friendly controlled areas, even in Korea. For sheer audacity, the trip in Rainbow Bridge episode still beats this one, but this is impressive nevertheless. Call me a Monday morning quarterback, but were I in charge of the movement, I would have done this differently. <laughs> uh, regarding episode 79, uh, Dear Mildred, my guest Corey Drew. We got comments from Chris Franklin, Ryan Daly, Randall, Brian Linton, George W., Russell Burbage, Captain Entropy, and Dr. Andrew says another great episode. First off, thanks so much for pointing out that was Father Mulcahy's wife. Amazing. As I've said, my family and I watch MASH all the time, and some lines stick out. In particular, the Korean artist lines remain in our lexicon. If I say, very valuable, my brother will say, Hitler's pencil box? I have always thought it was an actual two-by-four that he said he card. He is a con man. Why would he have Hitler's pencil box or William Holden's pen? Just amazing. That actor also says, somewhere in the past episode, I think, he has another famous line. Frank says something like, I wish you. And he says, uh, you wish each of us a prostitute? Frank says, I meant prosperity. He barely laughs and says, same thing. As a kid, I didn't know why that was funny, but the actor's laugh is perfect. As you say, this is where I feel you start to get to know Potter for who he will be. Very much so. Thank you, Ange. Uh, regarding episode 80, The Kids, with my guest Sean M. Myers, we got comments from Santaram, George W., Daniel Hopmans, Andrea Gall, Captain Entropy, Joe Price, Brian Linton, Russell Burbage, Ben Perlman, and Todd, but not Sussman, says, Hi, Rob. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your MASH episodes. Uh, you and your guests bring a passion and insight to the show I've enjoyed watching many times over my life. I went back and looked, uh, looked at an OR scene you mentioned where Potter appears to be waving for no reason. I had to rewind my DVR several times, but I believe it's actually Nurse Craddy's hand. She's trying to check the baby's heartbeat while Potter and Hawkeye enter the room loudly talking. She's waving her hand for them to quiet down so she could hear through her stethoscope. Keep up the great work right up into goodbye, farewell, and I'm in. I will have to check that, Todd. I never noticed that. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's a great detail. Thanks for, for catching that. Again, I will have to uh, specifically look for that when I rewatch that episode. Uh, episode 81, Pro Vadis Captain Chandler with my guest Mike Jameson. We've got comments from Stefan Van Shake, Chris Franklin, Brian Linton, Paul Wildenberger, Randall, Ange, Captain Entropy, and George W., who says, I thought they did an excellent job being respectful and not making a mockery of a man who believed he was Jesus. I also appreciate Rob being respectful of religious people, despite not being one himself. 
I feel sad for Chandler when he tells Sydney he hopes he can find him. The line about God answering all prayers, but sometimes the answer is no, was also in the movie Oh God. That movie was written by Larry Gelbart. I could see Alan Fudge as BJ. I wish they had more episodes with Sydney and Flag together. They played off each other quite well. The closing scene with Klinger dressed as Moses was hilarious. Nice touch misspelling Val on the tablets. I didn't notice that. Much like the other the episode with Meg Crady waving her hand. I didn't I've never noticed that before either. I'll have to check that out too, George. I got a got a home a lot of homework. Uh in between uh, seasons four and five here. Uh, regarding episode 82, Dear Peggy with my guest Tim English. We've got comments from Randall, Chris Franklin, Paul Wildenberger, Mike Thomas, George W., Captain Entropy, Joe Price, Ward Hill Terry, Russell Burbage, and Clinton Robinson, who says, thanks for another great episode. You guys took a different stance on Colonel Honister's approach to Father Mulcahy than I did. I felt it was closer to upper management, complaining about a lower-ranked worker's performance. As is, Father Mulcahy isn't getting enough meat in the seats, so to speak. Hollister seems the type who would request reports on how many converts the mass unit has had, how much money is passed through in donations to a church, or at the very least of the orphanage Mulcahy is so fond of, etc. Hollister's performative speech to Mulcahy is not unlike the Jonathan Edwards sermon commonly referred to as sinners in the hands of an angry God. Both feature imagery and figurative language to persuade the already converted into a deeper state of faith. But maybe that's just me drawing illusions where none exist. That's really interesting, Clinton. I didn't, I didn't know that. Again, I made the, the immediate comparison to Ned Beatty's performance in, in Network, but uh, I'm not familiar with uh, the, this sermon that you're referring to. Very interesting. Thank you. Uh, episode 83 of Moose and Men with my guest, Clinton Robinson. We've got comments from Captain Entropy, Clinton Robinson, Russell Burbage, Tim Price, and George W., plus uh, Paul Wildenberger, who says, Rob, you pointed out some of my favorite aspects of Mike Farrell's acting style. It's one of the reasons why I think he was such a good choice to play BJ and became my favorite MASH character. His delivery of that closer than others line was great. If Alan Alda as Hawkeye were delivering that line, I imagine he would say it in the style of Groucho Marx. Alan Alda is funny, and we don't need a Hawkeye clone. Instead, we got the dry-witted and often deadpan style of Mike Farrell to set him apart. One of my favorite MASH lines of all time is delivered by BJ in season eight. As is often the case, it isn't necessarily the line is written, but how he delivered it. Well, Paul, you didn't mention what line that is. You gotta, I, we have to wait all the way until season eight to find that out? Let us know in the comments. Uh, episode 84, Soldier of the Month, with my guests Jeff Maxwell and Ryan Patrick from the MASH Matters podcast. We have comments from Randall, Tim Price, Captain Entropy, Brian Linton, Ange, Santaron, George W., and Russell Burridge, who says, What a great podcast show with great guests for another great episode. I'm a huge MASH Matters fan, so I totally found my joy with this show. Ryan and Jeff are comedy gold, and I think Rob's in the mix is like a podcast version of Hawkeye B.J. Potter. That is all. Well, thank you, Russell. And yes, that episode was a blast, and it was a real honor to have Jeff and Ryan on and be able to talk to Jeff about shooting MASH. It's just unbelievable to me. I'm very, very honored that they would deem to do my little, my little MASH show over here. Episode 85, The Gun. My guest, Britt Tram. We got comments from Rob McCarthy, Stefan Manshek, Captain Entropy, George W., Russell Burbage, and Brian Linton, and Marie Christina, who says, I just want to say thank you for another great episode and an excellent podcast. I enjoy listening to it so very much. I love MASH, of course, but I don't really have anyone to discuss it with in real life. My friends and family are not fans, though they do have good, they do have good qualities, I promise. So listening to the episodes is like listening in on the insightful conversations about the episodes I would like to be part of in real life, if that makes sense. I look forward to many more episodes. Thank goodness there are many seasons left. My favorite season is season five, so I look very, much, look very forward to that. Season four is also awesome, but there is a major shaped absence in several episodes. And since Margaret is my favorite character... Her not being there forces me to deduct some points from the season. That's fair. And speaking of Margaret and her doing yoga in the gun, I heard an interview with Loretta Swit recently on MASH Matters that she was really into yoga at the time, so that was written into the script. 
I like that it also shows that Margaret is open to other cultures and their influences. Like she learns to speak some Korean. It shows that she's open-minded in a way Frank most certainly is not. Thanks again for the great podcast. Keep up the good work and take care. Well, thank you very much, Marie Christina. I appreciate it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you don't have other uh, friends or family to talk about MASH. So I'm glad this show at least provides a little bit of that because uh, I can appreciate that. Uh, episode 86, uh, mail call again with my guest, Jess McDonald. We got comments from George W., Captain Entropy, Mick Jameson, Russell Burbage, Brian Lynn, and Tim Price, who says, not to keep not to keep the kick the Frank party going, but boy, the end of the call with Louise. It proved that Frank is the worst kind of weasel. He knows he's a weasel and uses it to get out of trouble. He, des- he deliberately plays up sounding pathetic to get Louise to take pity on him, and he's pleased with himself for doing it. Further proof that he's not just clueless, but manipulative, stringing Margaret along because he knows she wants a future together, and whenever Margaret pulls away, all he has to do is pull the pathetic act again. It's a real turning point for the character. Anytime he sounds pathetic and wants forgiveness, just picture that little laugh right afterwards. Ugh! Agreed, Tim. I think that is one of Frank Burns' worst moments. There's other parts during the uh, season where Frank is racist and sexist and a terrible doctor, and those are all bad things, but that moment to me is, is huge for him, that we see that Frank knows how awful he is, and he does it anyway. That, to me, is the, the true calling of what a monster he is. Um, episode 87, The Price of Tomato Juice with my guest, Russell Burbage. We got comments from George W., Ange, Captain Entropy, and Brian Linton, who says, I found your discussion of Frank's attitude toward regulations and military authority interesting. I've known people who came across as real sticklers for rules and reg- regulations, when in reality, they only cared about them when those rules let them bully and intimidate others. I think Frank falls squarely into this category. His respect for regulations and authority is completely utilitarian and self-serving. To be clear, I've also known people who are stickers for rules because they genuinely value the rule of law. Thanks for another amazing episode. Thank you, Brian. And yes, that is, we know that Burns likes rules only when he can enforce them on other people. Again, that's what makes him just such a terrible person. Uh, episode 88, Dear Mob, with my um, guest Mitch Halleck. The comments from Randall, Captain Entropy, Ted Gillington, Russell Burbage, and George W., who says, you may claim to be a big fan of the show, but did you legally change your name to MASH? Please get this guy back on the show to tell stories. I would have caused a wreck if I saw a sign saying, meet Frank Burns. How cool is that? Yes, uh, thank you, George. I did enjoy uh, all of Mitch's stories. And yes, I'm sure he'll be back. Episode 89, Dirtog, with my guest, Chris Karam. We got comments from Captain Entropy, Gene Hendricks, Chris Franklin, Russell Burbage, Al Ballard, George W., and Gord Tolton, who says, I always wondered who failed who in regards to Frank. The writing, I think, all got a chance to grow out of their initial stereotypes as the show grew more, more dramatic, but there seemed to be no place for Frank to go but get worse. I remember an early first season where it show where Hawkeye missed something in a wound and there had been a tete-a-tete between he and Frank earlier where Burns rubbed it in that Pierce wasn't infallible. Then at the end, as they found what was causing the infection, all the doctors would gather around. And Frank says, wow, anyone could have missed that. And Frank looks over and says, thanks, Frank. That never happened again. Considering how talented Larry Linville was, it's too bad the writers didn't take a dare on him as they did with Margaret and Klinger. Maybe Charles was the apology for all of that. Yeah, it, you know, it's hard to say. Would, would Frank have evolved or would he have gotten more tiresome as the seasons wore on? I guess uh, we'll never know. I, Larry Linville was certainly capable of it. Uh, episode 90, Hawkeye with my guest Paul Wildenberger. We got comments from Captain Entropy, Chris Franklin, Mick, Russell Burbage, Brian Linton, Randall, Greg Weeks, George W., and Dr. Chris Lewis, who says, Welcome to Concussion Cast, celebrating the greatest minor head injuries, bow by blow. Joking aside, concussion is the most common head injury I see in my practice, and whilst most are self-limiting, the effects can last quite a while. My favorite head injury resource is the UK charity Headway, and provides the link there. Uh, if anyone wants to learn more, usual caveat, if any readers have any concerns, check in with your usual doctor. 
Feeling drowsy after having even a mild head injury is common and wanting to sleep is natural. We advise it's okay to sleep. I think of it as being like a soft reset. As long as someone is keeping a watchful eye on the patient and that, from time to time, they check that the patient is rousable. I, I'd endorse all the other warning signs in the link that Captain Entropy shared. In other adults, more serious problems, such as a subdural bleed, can occur days, even many weeks after a fall. So we're always much more cautious uh, when our more senior patients experience head injuries, frequently arranging a scan of the head to exclude something more worrying, especially if the concussion symptoms are evolving or last longer than we normally expect. Thank you, doctor, for all that information. Also this episode, Andrea Gall says, I had a concussion once after a hiking accident. I felt okay, but did not realize uh, how bad it was until uh, I asked my friend for a cigarette, and I am a non-smoker. That's an amazing story, Andrea. Thank you. Uh, episode 91, some 30th parallels with my guest Rob Riley. We got comments from Captain Entropy, Russell Burbage, Ward Hill Terry, Mike Thomas, George W., and Paul Wildenberger, who says Rob R. did a great job as co-host for this episode. You can tell he did his research and has a great appreciation for MASH. I remember as a child being confused by the big couldn't topic. Couldn't what? Kiss? That's what I imagine Hawkeye was doing every time he was all screaming with a nurse. I didn't know what else it could possibly be. Even if syndication hadn't edited out the scene between Hawkeye and Potter with the word impotent, I wouldn't have understood. As a full-grown man, maturity notwithstanding, I appreciate the topic much more now. Between Hawkeye's problem and Raider's heartbreaking storyline, Frank's garbage auction was a much-needed comic relief. Uh, agreed with that, Paul. Episode 92, The Novocaine Mutiny with my guest, Dr. Ange. We've got comments from Rob McCarthy, Brian Linton, Captain Entropy, Joe Price, George W., Mike Thomas, and Tim Horpinich, who says, Great show again, guys. You made me want to go ahead and rewatch The Cane Mutiny, which I haven't done in many years. And I agree with most of the comments. The writing for Frank at times is all over the place. Such an unlikable character, played to perfection by, uh, by all accounts, genuine nice guy, Larry Linville. Uh, absolutely, Tim. Episode 93, Smile and Jack with my guest, Laurie Schwartz. The comments from Brian Linton, Gene Hendricks, George W., Captain Entropy, Mick, Tim Horpinich, and Chris Franklin, of course, from our network, who says, I don't specifically recall this episode, but any show dealing with diabetes piques my interest ever since my daughter was diagnosed with type 1 three and a half years ago. We have been told, thanks to modern medical advances, that diabetes shouldn't hold her back. With constant glucose monitoring devices and automated pumps to deliver insulin, it has allowed her to live an adjusted but somewhat normal life. I was kind of gobsmacked to learn that even with these advances, a diabetes diagnosis will still probably make someone ineligible for military service today. I looked up thinking, well, that episode story wouldn't fly today. I was wrong. It makes sense because things can go wrong quickly with diabetes, but it just kind of flies in the face of don't let diabetes stop you. I guess there's some things that stops no matter what. For us comic geeks, Robert Hogan played baseball star Paul Diamante, kidnapped by George Sanders' Mr. Freeze on two early episodes of Batman, Instant Freeze slash Rats Like Cheese. Thank you, Chris. I can always count on you for a Batman TV show reference. Regarding episode 94, The More I See You, with my guest Amanda Reyes, we got comments from Randall, Brian Linton, Mick, Russell Burbage, George W., Tim Price, Captain Entropy, Tim Horpinich, Chris Lewis, and Stan Peel, who says, truly wonderful commentary on this episode. You're giving me a new appreciation for BJ. I already liked him anyway, but you voice a lot of stuff that I've maybe absorbed but haven't consciously thought about, like all the ways Hawkeye and BJ model a complex adult friendship where they support and care for each other in a way that wasn't and isn't very prevalent on television. Last year, I was doing a rewatch on my MASH DVDs when I hit this episode. I realized that they were able to fit the story into 23 minutes or whatever the time is. I just couldn't believe it. My memory of the episode is that there's so much happens between Hawkeye and Carly that it must be an hour-long episode. But I watch and realize how rich and condensed every moment is, how we're able to see an entire history in just a look. The economy of the writing, the skilled direction, and of course the brilliant acting all allowed them to tell a story that spanned years and 23 minutes, less with breaks for Potter's paintings. 
this episode deserves the spot in your top five. Or was it three? I'll have to listen to the podcast again. I don't mind. Like the MASH episode, it's rich and condensed with amazing content. Kudos for another fine podcast episode. Thank you very much. Uh, episode 95, Deluge, with my guest, Captain Entropy. Again, there he is. We've got comments from Randall, George W., Russell Burbage, Rob McCarthy, John Morris, Jack Bone, Santaron, Joe Price, Net Administrator, Tim Price, Tim Horpenich, and Dr. Chris Lewis, who says, as I drove into work this morning, innocently listening to MASHCast, I did not anticipate that the first thing I would be looking up today would be how to treat phosphorus birds. And then Dr. Andrew responds, such a great episode of MASH and a great review episode. I love the people you bring on as guest hosts where Rob and Captain Entropy's knowledge of the military was certainly very interesting to hear. I will not look up Foster Burns today as I am busy, so I hope Dr. Lewis will inform. That said, I almost asked to cover this episode. I will again say that I am not saying that the job of a MASH surgeon and my job as an ER doctor are equivalent. There were ripples of similarity when I rewatched the episode. It certainly struck home to me. There have been days that the line at ER triage is nonstop, that the waiting room is filled, and you are constantly moving as you look to admit slash discharge patients efficiently just so the room will be open to see the next patient. We work in shifts, but if the place is mobbed, you often stay late to try and help your colleagues. When I saw the zombie-like BJ and Hawkeye at the end of the episode, I said to myself, I recognize that. Sometimes after those shifts, I'll get on my phone to try and unwind and see that my buddies have been talking about nonsense, and I say... The world does keep on turning, but knowing that nonsense and reading the tweets and texts is like a spiritual bomb of sorts. The shift is over. Hopefully the patient's got the best care. Hopefully in the organized chaos, nothing was missed or misdiagnosed. And now I get to hear why someone who thinks Predator 2 is a great movie. I will also say that the concept of decision fatigue is so true. After having to make a million decisions during a shift about what needs to be done, what needs to be done next now, what needs to be happen, what needs to happen sooner rather than later, I can't make a decision. I can't decide what I want for dinner. Please, someone just decide for me. Thank you very much, Ange. And then uh, finally, episode 96, the interview with my guest, Scott X. We got comments from Randall, Rob McCarthy, Jack Bone, George W., Brian Linton, Marie Christina, Ward Hill Terry, Tim Horpenich, and Captain Entropy, who says, so a very evocative episode, and Iron Guts and Scott did a great job, of course. I will only mention two things. First, Radar was right. Looking the kids in the face makes it all very real. The second one is on the cursing. Years ago, my daughters were remarking on how I never use coarse language. I was flattered by their high opinion of me, but I had to confess. Sometimes I had to curse in Afghanistan. Some days, it was the only way to get the U.S. Army soldiers to know I was serious. One of my daughters found it amusing that I gave myself a waiver based on geography. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Entropy. You always have uh, really great stories. So um, that is going to do it for the comments uh, over uh, the website, findwaterpodcast.com for MASH Season 4. I wish I could get to reading more of them, but uh, there's just so many that come in over the course of 24 shows. And then if you add in the movie tonight, 25 shows that the, the show already goes on long enough as it is. So, But I, I, I want everyone to know I read every single comment. I appreciate every comment. And uh, again, thank you very much for listening to these shows and then going back and, and leaving comments. It, it is very, very much appreciated. So, okay, let's move on to our next section. Um, Apple reviews. The show has gotten some uh, reviews with the new season that started back in February. So it doesn't read a couple of those. Um, the first up is uh, five stars from Starfleet 3000. He says, uh, love this podcast. I've been a MASH fan my whole life, and this is the best podcast I've ever heard about it. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed every episode and look forward to the next ones. Please keep up the great work. Thank you, Starfleet. Five stars from Go Beeves. It says, great. Always a ton of fun. Again, thank you. Jonas450, five stars. Great podcast on MASH. Just love hearing interesting tidbits about each episode. Five stars from Phil Prather. He says, insightful, friendly, and focused. 
Great MASH show. I've been a MASH fan for many years, and this was the exact type of companion podcast for MASH I was looking for. I really enjoy the format and the variety of guests on different episodes. Each guest host shares their personal history with MASH, how they became a fan, and what the show means to them. The plot discussions are always focused and well done, while also adding context to jokes, historical references, and the background of guest stars on the show. I plan to stick with this podcast until it reaches the finale episode. Creep up the great work. Thank you, Phil. Uh, and then there are five stars from MASH 477, Radar O'Reilly here. Uh, it also says Nightmare King NWO. MASH is on Hulu. Every episode, my favorite characters are Radar, Klinger, Father Mulcahy, Trapper, Henry, and Henry Blake. <laughs> That's pretty much everybody. But again, thank you for the five stars. And then finally, five stars from Haley Nilsson. Five stars. Love this podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you all very much for the five stars. I very much appreciate it. One thing I will mention, there are a couple of uh, negative reviews here on Apple iTunes. I'm not going to bother to read them. Most of them have to do with uh, people not liking the political comments that I make on the show. Uh, just a couple things about that. I, I mean, I don't inject my politics uh, just to poke at people who I think disagree with me. I, I'm just not built that way. It may sound that way sometimes. It is not my intention. But MASH was a political show. And so to me, politics, uh, talking about current politics, is just a natural extension of what is going on in, in MASH. And um, I decided, you know, a long time ago, I mean, ultimately, this is my show. It's got my name on it. I'm the one that organizes it, researches it, records it, posts it. I do all the work. And um, if I find uh, that I'm editing myself to please someone who might give me a one-star review, then I don't know what the point of doing this show is. So, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't bring up my politics just to be um, offensive to somebody or, or whatever, but um, they're going to come up. It's going to come up. Uh, in subsequent episodes. And if that is a deal breaker for you, I would suggest you stop listening to the show. So, okay, that's uh, it for the, uh, the MASH reviews. Now let's go on to the season rankings. Some, in some ways, even more controversial than talking about politics. Yes, um, as uh, Ryan Dale has, be, has been doing over on Cheerscast, he is ranking each episode uh, in the individual season. I guess at the end of season 11 of MASH, I will rank all 251. I will mash them all, mash them all together. Uh, but for right now, we're sticking to the season rankings. As I've been saying across virtually every episode of MASHcast uh, this season, I love this season. It's my favorite season of television, period, across any show ever. So judging them, comparing them against each other is sort of unfair because it makes some sound better than others when I think all of them are really great. So take that. You know, take 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 these reviews with the rankings with a sort of grain of salt. So as I do uh, every year, I'm going to start with my least favorite episode of season four and go to my favorite. I'm not saying I'm not ranking these in the order of quote unquote best or most influential, just my personal favorite. So that's how it's going to work. So, OK, we're going to start with, again, my my least favorite season four getting to my favorite. So the price of tomato juice, Hawkeye. It happened one night of Moose and Men, Smiling Jack. Some 38th Parallels, Mail Call Again, Dear Peggy, Dear Ma, Hey Doc, The Gun, Soldier of the Month, The Kids, The Novocaine Mutiny, The Bus, Dear Tog, Dear Mildred, Change of Command, Deluge, The Interview, The Late Captain Pierce, Quo Vadis, Captain Chandler, and this is the one that was killing me, in number two, The More I See You, with number one being Welcome to Korea. It was close. It was close, everybody. I almost gave it to The More I See You, but... I gave Welcome to Korea extra points for the difficulty of being an hour show, almost like a war action episode and bringing in a new character. And it did it all so flawlessly. So I guess I got to give the nod to Welcome to Korea. But man, the more I see you is, is just right, right there. <laughs> if it's not number two, it's like 1.5. So uh, those are my rankings for season four. If you have different rankings, uh, let me know. or on the website, firewaterpodcast.com. 
So uh, that's kind of kind of do it for season four. So that means we're uh, we're up to our season five announcement. Of course, um, I uh, try and get as many guests, new guests, and older guests onto the shows as as I can. I we're very fortunate in that uh, there are more guests that want to do the show than there are episodes available. That's a great problem to have for a podcast. I feel very fortunate that so many people want to do the show, and I feel bad that anyone who gets left out. I do my best to kind of juggle bringing in some new voices, giving episodes to some of my old friends and, and, and nice to have a, a, you know, I want to have a nice mix of people. So if you want to be a guest on season five, this is the official announcement. The way I'm going to do it, we have to keep it organized. That way I can keep everybody's names in one place. As you go to, you will email firewaterpodcast at comcast.net in the subject header, write mash season five and list three episodes that you would like to be on. You can also use the contact form over on our website, findwaterpodcast.com, to do the same thing. But please, in the subject header, put MASH Season 5 and list three episodes that you want to talk. And I will do my best to give, when I do select an episode, to give uh, everyone one of the episodes that they asked for in their three. I can't always pull it off, but I do my best. So, again, go to findwaterpodcast.com, use the contact form, or just email firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. In the subject line, put MASH Season 5 and list three episodes you want to talk about, and I will do my best. Regarding Season 5, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to start. MASH is a labor-intensive show, uh, much more so than some of my other podcasts, and so I really do need kind of a nice long break in between these seasons to sort of just get things going. And, you know, one of the other complications is with MASH, of course, I can't juggle the shows. They have to go in order of when they were released. So... When someone's schedule is weird, I have to kind of make, I have to back up enough time to make sure I can get that show recorded before the other ones. And I don't like to miss weeks. So I generally take longer breaks between seasons than I do for other shows, partly because I want to make sure everything is lined up and locked in before we get ready for the next season. All those caveats aside, you want to be on the show, email firewaterpodcast.com or firewaterpodcast.net. Let me know your three episodes and we will do, I'll do my best to get you on the show again. So thank you very much. So that's going to do it for season four of MASHcast. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to this mail call episode. Of course, uh, you can find all the back episodes of this show on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to MASHcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, we're always talking about the show over on Twitter at MASH477cast. And then finally, if you want to support the Find Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is we name-checked on a show of your choice. So a big salute to MASHcast's Mash kisses. Uh, Patreon supporters, Nicholas Prom, Russell Burbage, Stan Peel, Britt Tram, Mike Thomas, Michael Porter, and Joe Perino. Thank you very much for the support. I very much appreciate it. And I hope we will see you all again for season five. So um, that is going to do it. One last thing. Um, please don't unsubscribe to the MASHcast feed on your podcatcher because, um, yeah, season five uh, will be a couple of months at least until we launch that. But my plan is to have a couple of bonus episodes uh, unrelated to specific season five uh, things uh, pop up on this feed. And uh, if they all uh, come to pass, um, they will be a lot of fun. I think you will enjoy them. So you never know when those bonus episodes might show up. So please keep MASHcast uh, subscribed on your phone or whatever and uh, look out for those bonus shows as they pop up. So, uh, but until then, um, that's going to, again, that's going to do it for season four again. Thanks everybody for listening and uh, we will see you later. But until then, that is all. MASH will continue.